Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back ain't better than ever. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line and thrilled that you are here with me on this day after I went ballistic. Yesterday was a long day. I still had a headache. I still had a hangover. Today I feel a lot better, but I have a lot in the hopper. There's a lot to get to today. We will get to the Eagles last night and the debacle that was their performance and their entire mindset on Monday Night Football last night. We have Jim Beheim on the show today. It's a special day, and I'll explain to you why this is such a big deal for all of us in just a moment. And coming up here in about 16 minutes, I'm going to play for you what I think is the most fascinating soundbite I've ever had. And I know that sounds like an oversell, but just stay with me. And then you tell me if I oversold this. This, I will say as, I'm not even going to give it a hint. I just want you to hear something an NFL coach said that absolutely blew my mind. That's coming up, all that and a whole lot more. But let's start by um, talking about why today is so special to all of us. I started working at ESPN in August of 1996. So I've been here a very long time, almost a quarter of a century, almost half my life. And I can tell you that I'm very well aware that for the rest of my life, the letters ESPN are going to be attached to my name. Everywhere I go, I can't count for you the number of times people say to me in a given day, aren't you the guy from ESPN? That's, That's who I am. I'm the guy from ESPN. I'm always going to be. I'm very proud of that. And the thing that makes me most proud, the best thing we do at ESPN is the V Foundation. The V Foundation for Cancer Research, which I assume you know by now, was founded in memory of and in concert with uh, the Hall of Fame coach Jim Valvano at the very end of his life when he was fighting cancer. And the legendary speech that he made at the very first ESPY Awards, he would die less than two months later after making that speech, a speech that I have said many times I continue, I consider to be the greatest speech ever given in the milieu of sports ever, and maybe maybe inarguably the most important when you consider the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been raised in his name since. And so, look, we are living through the craziest year that any of us have ever experienced. And any number of problems come with that. And we understand that hugely among those are financial, right? People are having financial difficulty right now. Of that, there is no question. And that is why on this day, I always say, as we kick off V-Week here so proudly on ESPN Radio, I always say that anything you can do to help, anything you can do to contribute to this fight against cancer, a disease that impacts every one of our lives, every single day of our lives, whether there's a pandemic going on or not, anything you can do to make a difference is meaningful. And in fact, I remember when Mike and I would do all those big ticket events and people would be bidding $40,000, $50,000. And obviously that's wonderful and it's impactful and it's difference making. But the ones that meant the most to me, the ones that always choked me up are when we would get notes from people saying, I can't do more than this, but I wanted to give you guys five bucks because this is so important to you and it's so important to us all. So that's what we're here for today. So you see the number, well, if you're watching on the television screen right now, you see the number on your screen. Um, And if you can donate anything, if it's five dollars, if that's what you can afford to do this year, then that is so appreciated. I can't even really put it into words v.org slash donate 100 cents of every dollar that you donate that you contribute goes directly where you want it to goes directly towards fighting cancer and the v foundation these are people that i've gotten to know very well over the years and i'll very briefly tell you how i know them so well those of you who've been with me a long time are aware of this but i've written two books in my life 
that I donate 100% of the proceeds to the V Foundation. The novel that I wrote that was published seven years ago now, which is called All You Could Ask For, which is about women living with breast cancer, we donate 100 cents of every dollar we make of our author's proceeds to the V Foundation, specifically earmarked to fight breast cancer. And then Stacy and I did a children's book a couple of years ago called MVP, Most Valuable Puppy. It's about our dog, Phoebe. We donate 100% of our author's proceeds from that to fighting pediatric cancer in concert with Dick Vitale's grant at the V Foundation. So this is deeply personal to me. It's the most important day of the year as far as I'm concerned. It's something Mike and I look forward to every year, and it's something I'm proud to be a part of again. So again, I'm going to get into the sports news of the day here, and that's what we will spend most of this day talking about. But please be aware that on this Giving Tuesday, this is the most important thing we will do all year long. And it's probably the best reason I came back to radio here. And I'm, I'm delighted and thrilled to be a part of this again. So uh, that reminder that today we are asking you in any way you can to contribute and help make a difference to the V Foundation and make a difference to fight cancer. Okay, so that's where it begins today. And again, that's more important than anything else we will do. Then let us then work our way towards the Philadelphia Eagles, who no team has ever less deserved to be where they are than they are right now, which is still very much in the thick of things in the NFC East. And in some ways, that complicates the matter. It's a positive, but it also comes with a a slew of big-picture negatives. The small-picture positive is you still have something to play for. you got a month left in your season, and you could still win the division, which means a home playoff game, and who knows? You catch someone on a bad day, you get hot, quarterback plays well, you never know what happens. Next thing you know, you've won a playoff game, and, and, and now you're on a run. So by no means am I suggesting that a team with a chance to make the playoffs shouldn't be excited about that and shouldn't be trying to do it. Of course they should. But in some ways, that little, that, that little picture view obscures the big picture view, which is that this franchise is a disaster and needs to be torn down to the studs. To the studs. And the primary reason is probably because... They mortgaged everything to win that Super Bowl a few years ago, and they find themselves now old, slow, financially bloated, and just finished in every conceivable way. In every conceivable way. And, you know, I'll give him credit. Greg McElroy did a really good point of pointing this out with us on Get Up this morning because all the conversation is about Carson Wentz. And look, when you're a $100 million quarterback, that's the ticket. That's the price of admission. You want to be a $100 million quarterback? That's what comes with it. When the team plays badly, you're expected to put them on your back. You're expected to do what Russell Wilson did after the Legion of Boom ended, and no one knew who his receivers were. And he was still leading the league in passing and dragging that team into the playoffs every single year. That's what great quarterbacks do. Great quarterbacks take mediocre football players and put their kids into private school because they make them look like stars. Tom Brady's made a career out of doing that. So did Peyton Manning. So has Russell Wilson. Carson Wentz can't do it. At least he hasn't shown he can do it at all. So this is not about absolving Carson Wentz of the blame. He certainly gets his share of the blame. But he's not the only one. Greg McElroy did a great job this morning of pointing out all the different ways the Eagles have gotten this wrong. These are their weapons, all right? Jalen Rager, by the way, was picked one pick before Justin Jefferson. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was picked seven picks before D.K. Metcalf. Dallas Goddard is a good player. I'll give you Dallas Goddard. He's probably a top-tier, second, 1A, 1B type of tight end. But that was, you know, a few years back. And by the way, the year before that, you get a guy like George Kittle in the fifth round. 
so you can find good value at tight end later in the draft. They don't have the weapons. If you look at some of the decisions he's being forced to make, he's throwing it into tight coverage. And if your answer is Alshon Jeffrey and press one-on-one coverage, that's not a good answer. If that's the answer, I don't even want to hear the question. And that is extremely well said by McElroy this morning. The Eagles, when things are as bad as they've gotten in Philly, there's more than enough blame to go around. So distribute it wherever you want. It fits. Throw some at Doug Peterson. Throw some at the front office. Throw some at the quarterback. It all fits. There's plenty of room for blame. There's plenty of blame to go around. As far as what to do about the quarterback and with the quarterback, who, again, isn't going anywhere, the finances dictate that the one person who's guaranteed to be back in place in Philadelphia next year is Carson Wentz. He's not going anywhere. And Sal Palantonio was on TV with me this morning, and he said that is one of the primary reasons that they need to take him off the field. If you're not going to protect Carson Wentz, the quarterback, at least protect Carson Wentz, the asset, right? He's worth $59 million against the cap next year, in a year when the cap is going to shrink. You know he's going to be your quarterback next year. You know he's going to be on the roster. you got to protect him as an asset now. You've got to protect your future. And that, to me, means you got to put Jalen Hurts on the football field. So that was what he said. Put Jalen Hurts on the football field. And to be clear, Sal was on my TV show last week saying they need to sit Wentz for a week or so. No one means put Jalen Hurts on the football field the way they did last night. My simple question to Doug Peterson, who obviously is an excellent coach, or at least has been, he won the only Super Bowl that city has ever seen. He's a, an Andy Reid disciple. He was a quarterback himself. So he knows what he's doing. But my question is, I watched Jalen Hurts run out onto the field last night, throw a pass, and then run right back to the sideline, is, hey, Doug, what the actual heck was that? That's not a change-up. That's not doing anything. That was, as Jeff Saturday said this morning, a complete waste of time. Absolute waste of time. Waste of time. That's what Jeff said. And I could play you the rest of the soundbite, but it all basically comes back to that. I said, Jeff, what the hell was that? He said. Absolute waste of time. And it's exactly right. They just run Jalen Hurts out. That wasn't a change of pace. That wasn't Taysom Hill. That wasn't um, back in the old days what Cordell Stewart used to be or what, what, um, who was the kid from Chicago who, who they had there in, in Pittsburgh for a while who threw the touchdown in the Super Bowl. His name will come back to me. He played college basketball too. Doesn't make any difference. You know who I'm talking about. You put these kids on the field and they, and they wind up changing up the dynamic. A quarterback who can run, you do something different than what you normally have. They just ran someone else out there to do what Carson Wentz does and then ran him right back to the sideline. That's not benefiting anyone. It's not making the team any better. It's not making the quarterback any better. It's not making the backup any better. So the whole situation with Jalen Hurts was last night bordering on ridiculous. And the best summation of it, again, Jeff Saturday. Absolute waste of time. Thank you. It's as simple as that. It was an absolute waste of time. So the Eagles from top to bottom are a disaster. And I will say this. There are still four teams in the NFC East. Any of them might win the division. I put them last. I put them worst. I would put them as having the least chance and the biggest disappointment of them all. Greeny with you, inviting you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number here. We won't be doing the calls uh, today, so uh, the, the phone number is just written down in that. But but don't, don't call, please, because we're not going to get to the calls, at least not for a little while. But you still are invited to be a part of Greeny Nation. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Paper. Dr. Pe- <laughs> Dr. Pe- 
paper by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Okay, thrilled that you are with me here today. I'm going to bring in a Graziano now in a moment because he needs to address, you need someone to address the, the lack of understanding that some football players seem to have for what exactly is going on around them. Zach Banner of the Steelers was on here on ESPN Radio last night on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. And he's wondering why this game with the Ravens keeps getting pushed back, keeps getting pushed back. Why can't we play it? And then he goes there. He says, well, Denver just played. At some point, there has to be a decision made that we're going to play this game. Like, I just don't see how, honestly, and this is how kind of most of us feel, we just don't understand how the whole Denver thing like, I understand, like, you know, there's been people getting tested every single day. That that probably is the only rational reason. They, you know, they're not sure if there's any more contagious people over there. But, I mean, Denver's just played without any quarterback. You know what I mean? They just brought their guy up off a of P-Squad. So, I, I thought we have extended rosters for a reason. But that's just me. Uh, well, yes, yeah, Zach, it is just you. Or at least it is all the people who just don't understand exactly what's going on here. Dan Graziano, my NFL insider extraordinaire on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, explain to Zach Banner and anyone else who doesn't understand what the enormous difference is between the Ravens and the Broncos. Yeah, first I want to say, I think you were thinking of Antoine Randall. Yes, Antoine Randall. thank you. Through the, right. Correct. Super Bowl touchdown pass. Anyway, uh, yeah, look, I, I think Zach Banner's premise that he's working off of, which is incorrect, is that the league somehow punished the Broncos by forcing them to play with no quarterbacks, but is doing the Ravens a favor by pushing back their game, even though they're shorthanded, right? That, that's what he's getting at. And that's not what's going on. The reason the Ravens game is pushed back is not because they're short on players. It's because they had basically a whole week where people kept testing positive every day, and there's an outbreak in the facility, and they couldn't get to a point until now, where they felt like it was safe to put the Ravens on the field or put them on an airplane, you know, or put them in a locker room together. So they're at that point now where they feel like, assuming no more rash of positive tests come back today, they can do that, and they are going to be shorthanded. The fact of the matter is they're not going to have Lamar Jackson, they're not going to have a lot of people that are important to them in, in a must-win game of their biggest game of the year. The Broncos didn't have an outbreak. They had a quarterback test positive. When they did the contact tracing, they found that three of his close contacts were around him without masks on for extended periods of time, and they were therefore classified as high-risk close contacts, which means they have to sit out five days, can't practice, can't be around the team for five days. Unfortunately for them, Sunday, game day, fell within that five-day zone. Uh, they weren't going to push the game back five days. And, uh, again, they're not pushing games back just because a team is shorthanded, even if it's entirely at one position, even if that position – is quarterback. The Ravens game was postponed because they're having an outbreak. The Broncos game was not postponed because they are not. Dan Graziano with me, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Dan, the game is being played tomorrow afternoon in the middle of the yeah. afternoon, which never happens, and the reason for it is remarkable. Yeah, the, I, I, Adam Schefter reported this last night. NBC's broadcasting the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting. Uh, and, you know, look, every now and then, Greeny, we're reminded, right, that not the whole world doesn't watch sports. Like, <laughs> like we're, we're in this sports bubble, right, where we, it's all we think about. But there are tons and tons of people out there that either don't or, or don't think it's all that important. So, you know, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting gets a big audience, and they want to make sure and, uh, and, and maintain that as opposed to bumping it for a football game. So, yeah, 3.40 Eastern time, 
as if it were the, you know, the pinstripe bowl or the Bahamas bowl <laughs> or any of those that, that come on, you know, in, in late December and during the week in the middle of the day, uh, it's going to be weird, but you know, what about this season has it been? That, that's exactly right. And Graziano, let, let's, let's make this the final point that, I know that there are people, look, we, first of all, we just live in a society now where people just like to take shots at other people. They just like to tear others down and they like to criticize. Um, and it is not to say that, that everything the National Football League has done has been perfect through all of this. But when you consider that they are working without a playbook, without a bubble, without any precedent, this obviously is an experience no one has ever had before. I think they've done remarkably well to get to this point, and and I give them, um, for the most part, extraordinary credit for that. I feel like it's becoming a little fashionable to take shots at them right now. Yeah. I just wonder what you're hearing and what you think. Yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm not above criticizing the NFL for when when they do something wrong. I've certainly done my share of that, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. Like this is look, we're in week twelve. Every game that was supposed to have been played by now, except for one, has been played. And that, oh, that one is scheduled to be played tomorrow. So that's pretty good for 12 weeks. Now there's five weeks left, and then there's a postseason. And honestly, I don't talk to anyone involved in the league that has any level of confidence they can pull this off. But they're doing it day by day, and they're doing it week by week, and they're doing it case by case in terms of you know, when these positive tests and outbreaks pop up. And you know, I, I think, yeah, I think the fact that they've gotten this far speaks to the effectiveness of the protocols they worked out between the league, between the players association. And I, I think so far so good, but again, no victory laps. They're still trying to get to the end of the season and we won't know if they can until such time as they have. So uh, in the meantime, what they're doing is trying to put a product on the field that I thought the point was people enjoyed watching, but uh, it seems like there's a lot of, a lot of people upset about it, but I, I think it's been fun for us all to watch the games. And, you know, I, I appreciate honestly the players that have, put themselves on the line for that and and uh and the league and everybody that's done the work to try and keep it going me too all right dan i want you to hear one more thing with me stay stay on the line for this because i promised this to the audience at the beginning of the show this blew my mind so what you're about to hear is daryl bevel who was the offensive coordinator of the detroit lions and became their head coach over the weekend when their head coach matt patricia was fired and you're going to hear him tell the story of how he found out that he had gotten this job and then you'll, you'll hear the back and forth between him and a reporter, and this just cracks me up. Just listen. On Saturday, I was with my family, uh, my wife, my uh, three daughters, and then my, uh, my two, I guess, future son-in-laws now. They both wanted to talk to me this past weekend. But we were at the Henry Ford Museum, and uh, we were having a good time there, and then got a text, ended up calling and talking to Rod and Sheila. So this happens on the same weekend that two men ask you for your daughter's hands in marriage. Is that how we're understanding it correctly? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Um, I do have to say one thing though. So the, the two, the two guys asked me for my permission. They haven't officially asked them yet. So that's, that's where that was. That was just permission. So I don't know when that's coming, but um, just to be clear. Hold everything. Graziano. Spoiler Did- alert. <laughs> If, if I'm if I'm understanding this correctly, Daryl Bevel just told the entire world, which I assume includes yeah. his two daughters, that these two guys have asked for their hands in marriage, but have not yet actually told the daughters that. Is that how you interpreted that as well, Dan? Absolutely. I, I, Daryl Bevel must have a high level of confidence that his daughters do not watch the Zoom press conferences <laughs> with the Detroit Lions media. And, and he's probably right about that. I don't know that. Maybe they do, but... He's probably right, but yeah, my goodness! Now that gets picked up, 
I hope those guys hurried. I mean, that is, that is, I, I just loved it. I just love the honesty and the openness and the total <laughs> cluelessness of it. He's just another one of us dopey guys, dopey dads who just are getting that. You can't get one any more wrong than that. Do you think there was a moment afterwards where he said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like, is that maybe I should have kept that one to myself for a week? Just give the guys a week to try and figure out how to how to pop the question. Uh, Graziano, very well done. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Forget up, Dan Graziano, my NFL insider extraordinaire. Uh, we are just getting rolling today. I really enjoyed that. Again, uh, we will talk more about this being Giving Day and why that is so important to us at ESPN. And then up next, Paul Feinbaum had the craziest idea I have heard yet about what they should do in college football, and actually. He just might be right. You'll hear it next. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. During these challenging times, ESPN and the V Foundation's fight against cancer hasn't stopped. If you are able, please support cancer research by visiting v.org slash donate. 100% of what you give goes directly to cancer research. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Today is Giving Tuesday, a global day of giving, and it's also the first day of ESPN's V-Week. We can all be a part of something big today by supporting cancer research, which is needed now more than ever. If you are able, give now at v.org slash donate. 100% of what you give goes directly to cancer research. This year may be more than any other, so important at half past the hour. Greeny with you, and again, offering endless thanks for whatever it is you can do to help make a difference in this fight against this disease. And it's something I will talk about here in some length in about 15 minutes. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. Again, I I will talk a a bit more about why this day is so important in a few minutes. In the meantime, I did want to just quickly circle back because we didn't have a lot of time. Did you hear what I played for you there? Why don't we just play it again? Because it's so mind-boggling that I want to just live in it for a second. Daryl Bevel finds out, longtime NFL assistant coach, that he's going to be the head coach of the Lions this past Saturday in a phone call telling him that they have fired the coach, Matt Patricia. That has nothing. There is no is no connection. There's no reason he needs to tell the rest of this story when explaining that. On Saturday, I was with my family, uh, my wife, my uh, three daughters, and then my uh, my two, I guess, future son-in-laws now. They both wanted to talk to me this past weekend. But we were at the Henry Ford Museum, and uh, we were having a good time there. And then got a text, ended up calling and talking to Rod and Sheila. So this happens on the same weekend that two men ask you for your daughter's hands in marriage. Is that how we're understanding it correctly? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, I do have to say one thing, though. So the, the, two, the two guys asked me for my permission. They haven't officially asked them yet. So that's, that's where that was. That was just permission. 
Uh, so I don't know when that's coming, but um, just to be clear. So here's the only thought I had. Okay, so I am both a married man and I am the father of a daughter who is now 20 years old. Um, and I remember when I, when I was going to propose to my now wife, Stacey, a very long time ago. This is February of 1996. So it's uh, 1997, excuse me, that I did. So it's 23 and almost 24 years ago. I called her father that day and couldn't get a hold of him. Could not get a hold of him. Didn't call me back. I got a hold of her mother. Could not get a hold of her father. So I always have a smile. If you'd known him, you would know that was very, very fitting of him. Uh, and I say that with great love and admiration. Um, but, but the part of this that I find funny is when I contemplate, because I have this kind of job. Like Daryl Bevel had this, his platform. He's, he's, he's now the coach of the Lions. People are asking him this question. He's holding a press conference. He can say that out loud and millions of people might hear about it. Well, I have that job too. And I think that if that were to happen, I'm trying to put myself in that spot. And if the time were to come where my daughter Nikki, some, some, some boyfriend of hers, asks me for her hand in marriage, and there's going to be a significant discussion that's going to have to ensue from that, but let's not, get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But assuming that goes well, if I were to go on the air and somehow mention that in any context before the act gets done, I'm trying to consider what the price to be paid in my own home would be. I can't even fathom it. I, I, can't even, I can't even go there mentally or emotionally as to the, the, the magnitude and gravity of the mistake, well-intentioned though it was, that Daryl Bevel committed over the weekend. So all I can say is, Daryl, I feel you, my man. I feel your pain because I've made a million mistakes, though candidly never one that bad. Okay, uh, delighted that you're with me here on ESPN Radio. All right, Paul Feinbaum had a crazy idea, and he said it this morning on Get Up. And he's probably right. And it is this. If Ohio State can't play this weekend, and there's a real chance they can't, then they're going to only wind up playing a maximum of five regular season games, which means they won't be eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. They can still play that last weekend in the Big Ten, but they won't be in the Big Ten championship game. They won't play Northwestern in Indianapolis. They'll wind up playing probably either Wisconsin or Iowa, which is a good win. But what they would then be sitting there is a 6-0 and non-conference champion, presumably with the eye test. That would be their resume to try and get into the college football playoff. And they may not, that's because they may not be able to play this weekend. And Paul Feinbaum is basically saying all the protocols, all the rules, all the ideas, everything else that they put in place, they should throw them out and just let Ohio State play. And here's why. They are making it up as they go along. They canceled the season on August 11th. They came back. Then they put in all these protocols. Go back in there and change it again. Who cares? I mean, it's, it, the, whole, the whole college football season has been turned upside down anyway. Why make it difficult when in the end or in the beginning, uh, the, the, the Big Ten came back for Ohio State. So don't leave your best team and your best hope uh, on the side of the road, uh, naked and getting uh, run over by cars. I mean, prop them up and find them a way back into the Big Ten championship game. Side note, I'm not sure why he had to throw in naked. Like, it, it doesn't seem to me that that was really necessary. They could have been on the side of the road fully clothed getting run over by cars. That, that strikes me as though that was just sort of unnecessary. But either way, the question is, does he have a point? Is he right? We're just making this up as we go along. 
The first and foremost thought I have is erring on the side of safety and health is the most important thing. And anything that compromises that, I would hope goes without saying, should not be done. But do you throw out the abundance of caution? You remain cautious, but throw out the abundance when it really comes down to the nitty gritty. Like, we're either playing two more games or we're not. It's that simple. If they don't play two more games, then they're not eligible to play for the Big Ten Championship, which means they can't be a conference champion when the season comes to an end. And if the priority is getting into the college football playoff, which it feels like Ohio State would certainly have an excellent chance to do. I don't know how to quantify that chance, but it's an excellent chance. Is it worth throwing out the abundance? You never throw out the caution. In the pandemic, the caution is a given. But are there ways to kind of skirt around the rules you yourself have put in place, which aren't uniform? I I will mention again, I'm not suggesting that they violate CDC guidelines. The Big Ten made their own rules. So if, if they were the SEC or the ACC, then the rules wouldn't be the same. And Ohio State might not be in the same situation. So what Paul basically said this morning is, these aren't things that were decided upon by the Supreme Court a hundred years ago. They're just figuring it out as they go along, and it sets no precedent because, God help us, we'll never have another year like this again. Hopefully it's not another century before there's another pandemic. Let them figure it out then. So for the moment, the question is, do you just figure out a way to let Ohio State play the game? I don't know the answer. I'm glad I'm not the person who has to make those decisions. I get to sit here and and basically throw spitballs from the sidelines. That's a much easier job. I grant it. So it's tough to do. Okay, Jerry Jones has said something that has, has been promised to me is remarkable and that I will really enjoy hearing it. We will hear it together next. Plus, we will talk about the really maybe the best indication of football slash 2020 that you've ever seen. And I will explain to you why today is the most important day of the year. All three of those are coming up next you're listening to Green on ESPN Radio. You could honor Stuart Scott's memory by giving to his research fund that supports minority researchers and the research of why some cancers are more likely to impact some minority populations. If you're able, give to this important cause at v.org slash Stuart. That's S-T-U-A-R-T. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Today is Giving Tuesday, a global day of giving. And it's also the first day of ESPN's V-Week. We can all be a part of something big today by supporting cancer research, which is needed now more than ever. If you are able, give now at v.org slash donate. 100% of what you give goes directly to cancer research. No better day of the year for us. No more important day. Nothing that means more to me, having worked at ESPN for as long as I have, than being a part of this as we kick off V-Week proudly here on ESPN Radio. It was our honor to do that on Mike and Mike for years and years, and I'm thrilled to be back and being a part of it again here. And as I told you earlier, the most meaningful donations are those ones that you make with whatever it is you can give. If it's $5, if it's $20, whatever you can afford to give. If you can make a difference today, you're making a difference. And it's wonderful that there are corporations out there that will give $50,000 today and that there are incredibly rich people who used to bid 50 or 60 or whatever it was, $1,000 to have Mike and Mike come do the show from your house or whatever it was. Those are very meaningful and they're making a difference. But no more so in the big scheme of things than all of you who donate 20 bucks or 10 or 5 or whatever it is you can do. There's not a single one of us whose lives have not been and will not again be touched by cancer. And during a pandemic is the best time to be reminded of that because it's the easiest to forget it. And cancer loves it when you forget about it because it doesn't go away. So uh, I ask you on this day, every day, but no more so than on this day, v.org slash donate if you can help us make a difference. 100% of every donation goes directly towards fighting cancer. All right, Greeny reminding you that we're a podcast every single day. Each hour of the show is its own podcast. Hashtag Greeny is the name of it. You can find it anywhere that you get your podcasts. And as it is time for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, I will yield my time today to the gentleman from the state of Texas, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, talking about how awful it was for the Broncos not to have any of their quarterbacks play this past weekend and he made a comparison that a lot of us found curious. You take risks when you put all the quarterbacks in the same room. Uh, if you were uh, worried about those things, you can spread them out a little bit. You can not even uh, you, can, you can save one. Uh, I don't know that, uh, uh, that that Denver had any more of a challenge than we've had with Danucci or with uh, the young quarterbacks that we've had. Um, yes, I think we do know that, Jerry. Actually, we do know they did have more of a challenge. The quarterback who played for the Broncos on Sunday was a wide receiver from the practice squad. Ben DiNucci was a draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys. Hashtag Bubba is the biggest Cowboy fan I know. Bubba, who is it that makes the draft picks for the Cowboys? That would be Jerry Jones. So Jerry is basically saying that a quarterback that he selected – does not give his team any better chance to win than a practice squad wide receiver gave the Broncos? I think that's one he might want to rethink. (laughs) It's one of those that once it comes out of your mouth, you think, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) It is self-incriminating on some level. We drafted, we used one of our draft picks on a quarterback who doesn't give us any better chance to win than some other team's practice squad wide receiver does. 
that's one I think you might want to have back. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right, speaking of the Denver Broncos, Greg McElroy said an interesting thing about them this morning. Because I watched as much of that game as I could. I was very interested in that game. And, and, and then I became very uninterested in it quickly. I thought to myself, boy, what's this going to look like? And then I started watching it and I said, oh, it looks awful. Just awful. So I watched basically none of it and saw everything that needed to be seen. And McElroy brought up his view of it and he, he basically made this comparison with the Ravens getting set to play the Steelers, ideally tomorrow, short a lot of their players. Here's what McElroy said. If the Ravens are going to be at less than full capacity to the point in which they can't execute, then we are doing damage to the shield, right? Like us as players and us that are associated with the NFL, we're proud of the shield. We're proud of that moniker. You got to protect the shield. You're told that in every single NFL PA meeting. And what we saw from Denver, they inability to put together any semblance of offensive football literally impacts the integrity of the brand like that affects us as viewers because you are damaging literally damaging the quality of the broadcast i thought that was a very interesting thought from greg and i will tell you right now i don't agree with it and i'll tell you why i don't agree with it because this is the year in which no rules apply 2020, the pandemic, the only rule is get the game played. That's the only consideration. Was it unsightly? Yes. Was it unwatchable? Yes. Was it damaging? Yes. It was, it was an exercise in total futility. It was a waste of time for the players. It was a waste of time for the fans. It was a waste of time for the coaches. It was a waste of time for the broadcast network. It was a waste of time for the league. I agree with all of that. And that's why I was so hard on those quarterbacks yesterday. A lot of people were a little taken aback at how hard I was on them yesterday, including my understanding is Drew Locke's mother, which I get. And I have a lot of rules. And one of them is I totally, I totally get family members standing up for each other, whether they're right or wrong. So Drew Locke's mother, I guess, was, ext- was indignant that people were taking shots at her son because of what many, myself included, perceived to have been reckless and willful um, act- actions that destroyed an NFL game, which is a big deal. And she was mad about that. And here's what I'll say. I have no problem with her being mad. I have no problem with her defending her son blindly, blanketly, and with, with, with zero uh, reservation. So I have no issue with that. It doesn't change the fact that he's in the wrong. It doesn't change the fact that there should be greater repercussions for that entire quarterback room, because they did. They destroyed an NFL game. And I don't, when I say purposely, I don't mean that they, they set out to destroy it. But their actions could only have those ramifications, and they were easily avoidable. So I remain of the opinion that the NFL and or the team or both should do something further. I don't know exactly what falls within. I'm not suggesting they should be cut or suspended or anything like that. But there should be ramifications. Something slightly beyond the reprimand. They've been reprimanded, and I don't think the reprimand is nothing, but in this, in this case, it's not enough. So in that regard, I, I understand where Greg is coming from. That was a bad day for the NFL. It was just a bad thing to have happen, and it was bad for a, a professional football game to look like that. But I don't blame the league. I do not blame the league. I don't blame them for putting this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game on tomorrow, wherever they can. Schedule it before the tree lighting. Just get the damn game played. Because if it's not played, A, you got way bigger problems at the end. 
And B, no one involved gets paid. All these players don't get their paycheck. Now who's happy? Now you tell me that was better. That's not better. That's not going to end well. So I have zero issue, zero critique of the National Football League for putting the blinders on and saying, can we play the game without it endangering the health of any of these people? If the answer to that question is yes, you have checked the only box that matters during 2020, during the pandemic. Play the game and deal with the rest of it later. So the players, I think, should face consequences. But I don't blame them for playing the game. Jeff Saturday will join me as we continue. It's a busy and beautiful day, and I'm glad you're with me. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.